driver's license or at the minister's meeting, but uh, uh, get with the youth and, and, and they'll at least tell you when they're leaving and what to expect. Uh, there will be just one service on Sunday at 10 o'clock, so spread the word around. It will be decade day, so I hope you're planning on your best uh, uh, decade of clothes, and it's going to be a fun time. Uh, we're praying. I will have three quarters of my outfit, I'm, I think. I'm praying a miracle of FedEx that my jacket will be here, but if not, uh, I'll, I'll, I, I will have most of my 80s decade on, so, uh, but whatever, de it's going to be a good time, and, and uh, I know people are saying, well, we dress up for church. You don't, you don't have to dress up, but it's going to be a casual day, because right after that, about an hour after service dismissed, we will be going to the uh, to pavilion, and uh, there will be a wedding to start off. Well, what a great way to start off a, a, a picnic. We'll have a wedding right there under the pavilion. And uh, we'll celebrate with Michael and, and Helen, and there'll be plenty of food and plenty of fun. We've got some games that, the, that we have gotten from the city, so uh, there's going to be plenty of games for the adults, plenty of games for the kids, and it's going to be an overall good time. A lot of visitors that are going to be coming in for the weekend, so uh, uh, be, be a part of that. So I'm looking forward. Sister Sanchez says, if there's no pictures, it didn't happen. So... Uh, uh, we will be taking pictures, sis, of, of Sunday and let you know who, who dressed and who didn't. But uh, you, will, you will see us in all of our 70s, 80s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 1898 glory. <laughs> Whatever you want to dress. Whatever you want to dress. It, it will be fine. Um, in, in studying and, and kind of getting the Lord's direction for uh, the future of this church and where we are going, uh, I want to teach... Uh, a little bit tonight, and I'm quite aware of the of, of sorry about the the late start. Brother Wilson gave me something and made me sick and and sluggish. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> we are we are we are twinsies tonight. I told him what how I'm feeling. He's like, well, that's how I'm feeling. I'm like, so uh, we were just going to go in a nursery, get in the fetal position, and and spend the whole night. But uh, we will get through this. <laughs> I think uh, the, the 110 miles an hour of my life is, is of these past couple of weeks is starting to catch up. But uh, I want to talk a little bit tonight about proven kingdom principles. There are some principles that are put in place by the word of God that are immovable, unchangeable, and that are principles that we must live by. Now, don't get me wrong. We have our own personal principles of what we will do, what we won't do, what we raise our children, and, and those differ. Uh, some people don't let, I, I always go back to uh, the 1990s when uh, my kids were growing up and, and Sister Burke did not, did not like SpongeBob SquarePants. I personally don't see anything wrong with SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, it's stupid. <laughs> Which is my kind of humor. But my children watched SpongeBob SquarePants, and but she didn't. She did not. She did not like it, um, and she had her reasons. I have nothing against that. She has her principles that she raised her children by. I don't cross that. I feel like Paul in situations like that. If if that will offend my brother, guess what? I'm not going to do it. Okay. So when her her child came to my house. 
we just don't watch SpongeBob SquarePants. But that's not how I feel. My kids watched it. You may feel differently. There may be something that you didn't allow your children to watch that I did and vice versa. But that's my own personal principle. There are some that I've bumped into in my lifetime that their principle is they don't go anywhere in a building that serves alcohol. So they won't go in an Applebee's. They won't go in this, that, and the other. And my thinking is, well, you, you go to Walmart, don't you? I don't say this, but that's my thinking. If you won't go anywhere where alcohol is being sold, then you, there's a very limited number of places that you can go. I don't, that's their, that's their principle that they live by. I don't have a problem with that. I eat, I take customers to restaurants, and, and even when I have to sit with the owners, they may order a drink. Doesn't mean that I have to, doesn't mean that I approve of it. But my personal stance is, as I told the owners years ago, if you're expecting me to be the salesman that takes these guys out to a bar, that takes these guys to a, a strip joint, or you expect me to buy alcohol to bring to them after hours, you got the wrong guy. Because that's not me. I have to live by my principles and my standards. So, but there are proven kingdom principles that if we live our lives by, we will be blessed. Because there's a the thing, how can we be blessed if we're going against the word? If we are basing what I believe and what I think that is not on doctrine, that's not based on scriptures, how do I expect godly blessings to come when I'm going against what his word says? So we're going to go into for just a little bit. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. I like what Paul says here. Right off the bat, examine yourselves. See, that puts it on us. It's not up to the pastor to determine where you are in life. It's not up to the pastor to, to uh, see where your principles are and where you are in life and where you are in your relationship with God. But it says, examine yourselves, whether you be of the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. Listen, every one of us knows the state of our, ourselves. You know what your relationship is with God. You know where you stand. If, if, if you're here tonight and, and, and you're not sure where you fit in in the kingdom and you're not sure of your relationship with him, you better examine yourself. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Reprobates here means somebody who is void of principle, who is void of God. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that you should appear approved or put on that facade like you're apostolic, put on the facade like you're, 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 you're the, the model Christian, but inside is, is just pure evil. So we just don't put on the appearance uh, of, of godliness. But that you should do that which is honest. How much better would our world be if everyone was just honest? Yeah. 
Though we be as reprobates, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. You see, no matter how many people preach against truth, how many people say they don't believe in the truth? No matter how many people do not live by the truth, does not change the truth. It does not change a thing. I've had people that tell me that, that uh, I'm preaching a cult doctrine, that I'm leading a cult church, and I've been told that that uh, I've been, I'm legalistic because I am apostolic. And I said, if you call scripture and if you call uh, uh, the word of God and the principles of the word of God of separation and, and holiness legalistic, you can term it whatever you want, but we go by what the word of God says. We ain't going by what Brother Bernard is saying we should do. We go by what the word of God says we should do. Uh, I'm going to put these on because I'm still struggling. <laughs> I know, right? Feeling it more and more every day. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 through one through 2. We, we probably know this by heart. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. You see, it's not only sin that gets us distracted, it's the weights. It's the things that we involve ourselves in. It's the things that we put in front of our eyes. It's the things that, that we are doing behind closed doors. That's where the trouble starts. Because sin is easy. I'll say it again, sin is easy. This flesh don't want to do what's right, so telling that little white lie to get out of trouble, that's easy. That's sin. Giving excuses to God and, and, and why we can't live for God, that, that's easy. Because this flesh don't want to do what's right. And let us run with patience the race that set us before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand at the throne of God. And then Zachary put up uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, verse 38 and 39. And Saul armed David with his, with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon him, on his head, and also he armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. But what's it say? He had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I, I can't not go with these, for I have not proved them. I haven't used them. I haven't tested them. I haven't tried them. I haven't proven these things to be effective. So David put them off. But I want to say this, that I've been living for God since 1978, 44 years I've been in the apostolic church. And I can't always say I've always been the most faithful, but I can say that God has always been faithful. 
I can say that I've seen many miracles. I can say that I've seen many people saved and filled and baptized. And, and I've, I've seen too many things and I know too much to turn back and say this is not true. I've proven how the word of God works. I've proven how worship and praise works. I've proven what can happen in a prayer meeting. So when I could say, I, I, I put off all that other stuff, but, but I know what the Word of God does. And I will not get rid of the Word of God because I've proven it. I will not get rid of the spiritual weapons that God has given us because I've proven them. I've stomped on many a devil's head through the power of Jesus' name. I've proven it. So there are principles that we must live. You must apply to your own self. You see, this is, this is personal. It's up to us to apply these principles. It's up to us to live by these principles. I cannot dictate how you lead your life. And you cannot dictate how I lead my life. But in the end, when we face our judge, we are going to be judged by what we did personally. And I can't point a finger and say, well, Sister Sanchez used to make fun of my music. <laughs> she didn't approve of my music, so that's, that's why I act this way, and that's why I did this. And, and you know, my wife did this, so that's why I act this way. And, and, and that does not matter when you are speaking face-to-face -face with your judge. What did you do? What did you say? Because I know what's going to be said. He's going to ask me. Did you love your wife with everything that's within you? For her and for your kids, did you lay down your life every day? Were you willing to lay down your life every day for your family? You see, y'all don't have to answer that. I do. What did you do with your life? What about the decisions? What about the things you said, the things that you've done? That's what I will be looked at. Not what Sister Janice said or did. Me. So we have to examine ourselves. And we have to say, this, these are the principles that I am going to live by. These are the principles that I will guide myself and that I will try to have a better relationship with him. And there are spiritual laws that God has put in place from the beginning of time. They are, they are principles of the word of God, and they are set. They are about as set as, as the, the law of gravity. Now, you can tell me you don't believe in the law of gravity. You can tell me that you don't think it's really there and that it, really, it doesn't affect you. But go ahead and, and get on the roof of the building and jump off. And whether you believe it or not, you may not believe in gravity, but you are going to be affected by that law. Because there's nothing besides God that says uh, the law of gra gravity has changed. Now, he can, just, he can get rid of that law and we'll just go float. And that's okay. That's okay. But there is a law that is in place that whether you believe it or not, it does not change one thing. That's why I, I say to those people that say there is no God or I don't believe in your God and I don't believe in what the Bible says. That doesn't change a thing. That doesn't change my relationship with him. That doesn't change God in the scope of this world. It doesn't change anything because somebody says I don't believe that. But there are, 
are words and principles that God has, has put into place to help us get through this crazy thing we call life. Because if we don't have these, if we don't live by these, there's just chaos. And the reason that our world is in the shape that it's in, because the world wants to take more of God out of everything. Why in my day, it was okay to say, in God we trust. In my day, it was okay that if you did something wrong, the teacher took you out and they paddled your bottom. And I got paddled several times because of other, other people that I followed. All right. Yeah, it was my own doing. <laughs> but you know what? It was okay back then to bring a Bible to school and talk to your, your, your friends about God. And it was okay that if you did wrong to go get paddled. And I turned out okay. If anything, that paddling woke me up. Don't do that again. And I don't care what, what side of the fence you are, and if you're on the paddling side, if you're not, it doesn't really matter. But what I'm saying is we live in a very evil world because God is being removed from everything. I read it today that the millennium generation... This generation, there's a higher percentage of the millennials that do not believe in godly principles than any other generation in time. And that's the world we're living in. Back in the 60s, John Lennon of the Beatles made a quote that just created an uproar. Maybe you know, maybe you've heard it, you know about it. But he said at that time, the Beatles were bigger than God. Quote was totally taken out of context and it created a fear all across America to the point that the Ku Klux Klan were boycotting one of their concerts down in Memphis was planning on some kind of, some kind of attack because of where they stood. What John Lennon was saying is we as a group mean more to young people at that time. We are more important to young people than Jesus Christ or God or church. And I totally get what he's saying. That there are more kids listening to the music than reading a Bible. There are more kids that are going to the concerts than going to church. So I understand his comparison that, that we as a group seem to be more important to kids than God. And I can fast forward now some 50 years later, and here we are in 2022. And I think that statement rings ever so clear, and you could put a lot of things that there are a lot of things that are more important to this generation than God or church. There are kids more worried about playing a game online than they are going to Sunday school. I want to say this to the church and if this is being recorded to whoever's listening on Spotify 
that living for God is a win-win situation. So don't tell me I got to give up all this to come to church. Don't tell me I got to give up this music and I got to give up this party and I got to give up these friends and I got to give up this activity to come to church because what you're going to gain in the end is a lot more than what you're giving up here temporary on this earth. So don't tell me that that, uh, church is not cool and church is not fun and church doesn't mean anything to me. I think there's more joy in this church than I've seen in a lot of churches of our organization. I say there's just as much of the power of God that shows up on a Sunday morning in this place as it does at POA. So don't tell me that you can't feel God and don't tell me there's no joy in church. But Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I don't need to be that $500,000 a year salesman. I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't need all of that fame and fortune. I don't need to be that preacher that's on every TV and radio. I don't need that. I'm happy pastoring this church. But you see, once you get to a place where your relationship with God is such, you're content with what you have. I don't need all of that. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. As my wife said, if she lives through this cancer, she wins. And if she doesn't live through this cancer, she wins. As much as this earth is, and as much joy as I get out of everything, I, I get great joy being with my family. I get great joy being with this church. You wait till Sunday. We're going to have a good time. Clean, fun, laughter, joy, a little bit of competition with the games. But we will have fun. I can't wait for it. But putting God first will never make you last or least. Let me say that again. Putting God first will never make you last and will never make you least. Matthew 6, 32 and 33, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothes. He knows that you need money to pay bills. He knows you need all of these things. He knows it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants to be first in everything in your life. He wants to be first when you make that decision, that major decision. He wants that first 10% out of your paycheck. He wants the first. He don't want what's left. He doesn't want what if I have anything left, I'll give what I can. He wants the first. Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt 
mediate therewith day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If we put God first, if we live by godly principles, if we live by his word, he already said bless. Now, I'm not preaching the old Joey Osteen, the prosperity doctrine. I'm not saying that. But God will provide your need. He done said that I will give you blessings if you live by God's principles, if you live by God's words. That doesn't mean you're going to get a million-dollar check in the mail. But tell me, if spiritual blessings are not a Tell me if spiritual benefits are not a blessing when you could lay your head down at night and knowing everything is right with God and he puts peace in your heart and he puts peace in your mind. Don't tell me that spiritual blessings don't count for anything. We get too hung up on the money. I put my dollar in so God, you're going to give me a 10 spot. <laughs> he does bless. I look back at my wife and I's early years, and I, I still scratch my head and say, how in the world did we get by? How did we live off that little bit of money? I know how we got by with that little bit of money. We ate grilled cheese a lot. But we lived by godly principles. We paid what it, it seemed like just... It, 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 it seemed like pennies to me, but God honored that and blessed us and seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things shall be added unto you. And maybe you're on the same path as I and you can look back uh, on the memory of your life and say, how did I get through that and how did this happen? So young people, don't get disheartened because you're not fit, making 50, 60, 70,000 just yet. You hold on. It took me many years to get to where I'm at. But if you work hard, if you put God first, blessings will come. Blessings will come. So there's nothing that you're going to lose by living for God. And let me say this in, in, in the heart of, of what happened in Texas. I believe there's something that's happening across our country, and I think it started several years back, where people just stop parenting kids. And what I mean by it is there are principles that God puts in the Word, and we'll get into that, on how to discipline and how to raise children. But I think there are plenty of parents that are letting the TV raise their children. I don't want to deal with them, so put them in front of a TV. Put SpongeBob on for eight hours. Keep them occupied. Just keep them out of my hair. Or we're going to send them over to uh, uh, this person's house. Or we're going to send them over to that person's house. Or we're going to let this person raise them and maybe this person discipline them. But I don't want to deal with it anymore. So the children are raised with... Number one, anger and bitterness towards mom and dad. They become disrespectful to their parents. They start mouthing off at a very young age. I say this, and, and, and y'all heard me many a times. What would happen if I mouthed off to my dad? 
Daffy Duck. And if he heard you mouthed off to mom. I would never do it again. I guarantee that. But dad put the fear of God in me just by his voice. See, my dad was a deep, deep voice just naturally. And when he raised that voice, it sounded, you know what uh, Mufasa sounds like in The Lion King? To me, that's what it sounded like. Simba, John. So when he raised his voice, it was very intimidating. But he raised me to be respectful. You don't talk to your mom that way. And you better not talk to me that way. In fact, my first commandment, when I, he first handed me the key to the car to take my beautiful bride out, she wasn't my bride then. She was just a girl that I was interested in. He handed me the keys to the car, and the first thing he said to me, you better be respectful to this girl. You better open that door for her, which I did until the day she passed. I opened the door, let her in. It's just respectful. It's courtesy. We don't see that much anymore. But Dad says, you better be respectful of her. And if you don't, I don't care if her father beats you. I will if I find out you did anything to disrespect that girl. Children aren't getting that anymore. They're just go out. I hope you survive this crazy thing called life. And I hope you survive all of this. So we have kids that don't know how to act in public. We have kids that are totally disrespectful to parents. And now it blends over to now we have kids that think they can disrespect the law. Another thing dad told me, the cop pulls you over, you keep your hands on that steering wheel. You do everything he says. If he says, put your finger in your nose, you put your finger in your nose. And you do as he says. You don't disrespect him. I've seen YouTube videos of cop where a guy rolled his window down like that far. I need you to roll your window down. I need your driver's license. He wouldn't roll it down. This went on for 10 minutes, and this is why I can't be a cop. I would have done busted that window after three minutes. That's how, that's my temperament. God bless my nephews, and God bless my brother-in-law and all, all of my family that's in, in, in law enforcement. I pray for them every day. They, they need it because I don't have that kind of temperament. But it took him about 10 minutes, and he finally just took his billy club and shattered the window. That's somebody who has been raised to do what you want. You don't need to, you know, don't respect the law. You don't respect this. And that's the age that we're living in with now it's little children and here this I call him a kid he was 18 the kid that went into this school and opened fire 18 that's a kid but the Bible gives specific principles of what we are as a parent to do to raise our children Proverbs 22 4 and 6 by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life thorns and snares are in the way of the forward he does keep his soul, uh, shall be far from them. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that does not mean that when these kids reach 18, that they are no longer my child, and, and they're on their own, and they make their own decisions. If there's something going on that I say is not right, it is my thing as a parent to say, that's wrong. 
That's wrong. And sometimes they have to decide and draw that line of dad as the dad and dad as the pastor. Because sometimes they blend them both. And there's some things I have to say as a dad. And there's some things I have to say as a pastor that this is wrong and you need to do this. But that doesn't stop. My mom was still telling me to do things and trying to straighten me out, even when she was, uh, had her later years. You don't stop being a parent when they become adults. I will be their parent until I die or they die or Jesus comes back. Whichever is first. Because that's another thing I don't want to face in, in, in the judgment throne. Did you do everything to train your child? Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. If we leave these kids to be raised by themselves, they're going to bring a shame to their parents. And really, isn't that our job as parents? To raise children to go out into society and don't embarrass me. You want a responsible kid that is going to get a job, that's going to pay taxes, that's going to go to church, pay tithes, and be responsible, and don't embarrass me. And these kids have not done that yet, at least not on public. What goes on at my house is, is, is that's between us. No, they're good kids. I'm very proud of them. But that's why we live in the world that we are living in. That's why kids are so disrespectful. Kids yelling at parents and parents yelling at kids. And there's no respect between them. Because they raised them that way. Here's what my wife and I would do. She was very good at this. Sometimes I was oblivious being the male and I wasn't fully aware of what was going on in the situation. But if she heard her children say something that was disrespectful to me. She corrected them right in front of me, right then and there. Me being a male, I'm more interested in what SpongeBob is saying to the argument that is taking place, and I may have missed what's going on, but she was, she was, she had this sense about her. She knew that it was going on all around me at all times. That's, I think that's a ladies thing. They hear what's going on in the conversation three rows back while they're carrying on a perfectly good conversation with somebody right up here. I don't know if that's wrong or not, but that's just a gift she had. Don't you speak to your father that way. We don't hear that in this modern age. Because I hear of, of kids yelling across the parking lot to, to mom and dad. and they're having, It's a mess. Respect. We respect our parents. That never ends. Honor your mother and father. There's no time limit on that. Unless I'm reading the word of God wrong, and y'all can correct me if, if I'm wrong. But it says, honor the, your mother and dad, or things are going to go really bad for you. So be a parent. And I will say this. Uh, I'm, I've been praying on if, I, I don't think I need to, but uh, I know several of my pastor friends that do the, uh, uh, the financial uh, planning every year, talking about tithes and offering and your sacrifice. And this church has been very good. In fact, we have been 
we have been very blessed this past year or two of, of, of the finances of the church, and they really have stabilized, and that becomes there are people that are being consistently faithful. But I will say, I will reiterate, so nobody says, Pastor never talked about this. Malachi 3.18, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You see, there's, there's, you may pay your tithes, but you see, we're robbing God of our sacrifice. Your tithes is, is what is expected. That's kind of the dime that we give God. That's all he's asking. You could pay more. But he's saying, I'm just asking for a dime on a dollar. Our sacrifice, our blessing comes with the offering. What we give on the offering, that's our sacrifice. But he's saying that we rob God in tithes and offerings. I'm not going to rob God. But he says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, don't, don't be deceived by all those that say, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't apply to where we are now. Well, the Ten Commandments are Old Testament. We're still living by those principles. So you're cursed with a curse. You want to know why things break and why things go wrong? Well, sometimes it's because we buy old stuff. But I found this out, that when I was unfaithful in my ties, money usually left my account for something. And that's just me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now. That's all God wants you to do. Just prove him. See if he's not faithful to his word. See if he doesn't do what he said he would do. Prove me now. Hear what saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Let me tell you how that works. I was on the highway coming from Peoria home. I was just feeling horrible and I said, I... I put in a half a day or three quarters of a day. I'm coming home. Out of nowhere. It was overcast, about like it is here. Out of nowhere. It just starts pouring down rain. I couldn't even, I was going 10 miles an hour. Thank God I wasn't in my buggy. If you ever seen the wipers work on my buggy. This is in, full, this is in fast speed. I had that poor truck. Wipers were going as fast as they can. It couldn't blow off the water fast enough. It was just out of nowhere, downpour, here it is. That's how God works. He said he will open up the window. And again, it's not always financial. My blessings are not always financial. That there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the bower for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground problem is we got Satan meddling in our money because we've allowed him to because if we're faithful to God he said I will protect your ground I will protect your assets because you're being faithful to me and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field saith the Lord of hosts and all nations shall call you blessed for you shall be a delightsome land saith the Lord of hosts and in Proverbs 3 and 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. He will bless you for being faithful to him. So we seem to think, and I was very grateful for, uh, for the missionary preaching, faithfulness is great. 
But if you think you're going to get your ticket to heaven by just showing up and sitting your carcass on a seat, you're wrong. Because, because I brought my carcass home every night didn't make me a husband. It was the relationship. It was the relationship. But we have to be faithful in all things towards him. Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with it shall be measured to you if you're cheap and giving out that's what you're going to get and the same goes not only with finances but I found out in love if you love unconditionally you will get that love back but if you're stubborn with your love if you're cheap with your love that's what you're going to get back that's going to be your blessing. And they say beauty is in the eyes of the creator. And that's true. Psalms 149.4, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people, and he will beautify the meek with salvation. So if you're living through life thinking it's all about you, that life revolves around you, it says the meek will inherit. I say this, that the ministry is no place for pride. When this ministry and this church and the finance of this church becomes all about me, you better find another preacher because it's not about me. I will say this. I think it's because I'm I finally realized something the other day, church. I'm getting close to 60. I just realized that. I woke up, and here I am, 57. And it's true, you get grouchier the older you get. But the Lord has laid it on my heart, the burden of the church. And some things that I said, uh, it'll work out. Some things that I thought, well, God will work this out. He's now telling me it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. If something's going wrong, it's my responsibility to take care of it, being the shepherd of the church. I just can't, as a shepherd, I just can't hope that the sheep will just someday get it. The sheep are dumb. I'm not calling you dumb. But I'm just saying the analogy. If you look at sheep, they'll... How many seen, I think Sister Sanchez talked this a while back, and you've probably seen this on Facebook, that, that sheep that they got out of that little That poor sheep was stuck, 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 and this poor guy worked and worked and worked to get this thing out, and it got out, and it's all happy as going to be, and whoop. You see, I can sympathize with that because I did some dumb things in my life. I made some dumb decisions that my pastor even warned me about. I did it anyways. When I found out, yeah, pastor was right. So don't you get mad at me for correcting. Don't you get mad at me for putting some things in place that, that are putting fences around your life and around this church's life. Because I'm not going to be judged by God by what did you do? Well, nothing. I just let them have their way. No. That's not godly principles. 
but the narcissistic, everything's about me. The world revolves around me, and I don't care what people think. I don't care what people do. It's my way, and it's my thinking, and it's this. It's all about that's a bad, bad spirit to have. Because my family will tell you, when we get together, it's not about me. It's not about what are you going to make me? What are you going to do for me? And when are you going to bring me my tea? And when do I get my Edwards pies? And when is this going to happen? And when are you going to clean my house? When are you going to wash my car? When are you going to? It's not that at all. Finding myself, even as a father of adult children, that I want to do something for them. Let me make something. Let me bring something. Let me do something. So I said, I, 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 I pray for the moments that, that I get that phone call where they say, Dad, we need help. And I could go, bump, ba da bum, super dad to the rescue. What can I do for you? Well, we need a battery charger. Coming right up. Boom, here you go. Dad saves the day. And those things are becoming far and few between because they are responsible adults and but you know what I'm saying? It's not about me. There'll come a time when I'm about 90 years old and, and I'm walking around like my little dog, Ollie, and I don't know which way is forward and I think I'm going this way and bong, there's a wall there that I may need some help. See, I don't have to worry. Zachary doesn't tell me, you get to that condition, you're going in the home, Dad. I ain't taking care of you. That's how much my kids love me. I ain't changing your diaper, Dad. You're going in the home. The first time you lose all control, out you go. <laughs> but as a dad, as a parent, it's in me. It's, it, it's in the DNA to see what can I do to take care of them. It's in my DNA as a pastor. What can I do to help the church? What can I do to take care of the church? Because when I find out it's really not about me, it's about him, everything becomes a little more clear. And you will find in any relationship, when you find out it's not about you, it's about taking care of the other, it makes life that much more better. But godly principles, you cannot go against what the word of God says. Now, I've heard people, and I'm, I'll be ending pretty soon. I only got 10 more pages. We'll be out of here by 9.30. Oh, yeah, easy. No, I'm just kidding. I've seen people that will hold on to one scripture to try to justify their, their actions or, or how they're living. But if that's the case, and we can all hold on to the scripture of those just believe on, on Jesus and you're going to be saved, well, there's more than just believing to be saved. Because scripture says that even Satan believes and he trembles. So that eliminates that just holding on to that one scripture. But we have to look at the book as a whole. We have to live by godly principles. And if you're not, I, 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 I urge you, I encourage you to start. Don't give me this. It's, you can't train an old dog. I've, I've seen too many 80 and 90-year-old men and women being baptized in Jesus' name. It's never too old. It's never too old to be born again, and it's never too old. You're never too old to start again. Stand with me. Stand with me. Father, in your name, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you, God, that you have given us strict, strict principles to live by, how to be a parent, how to be a child, how to be a child of God, and just how to treat one another. Lord, may we put these principles in action in our lives every single day. I pray, God, that you will just bless this church as we honor you with our our offerings. We honor you with our tithes. We honor you with our praise and our worship because, God, you deserve every bit of it. It's not about me. It's about you getting glory. It's not about me, but it's about you, God. And I thank you for what you're doing in the midst of this church, for those that that are really plugging in, those, God, that are becoming more faithful. I thank you for it because I know you are going to bless them for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.